Hey guys, welcome to the Professional Development Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 2nd, and this is episode number 70. We got a very special guest in-house, Sam Prim. Sam is the owner of Faster Freedom, which is a premier real estate investing education company, co-owner uh, of Greater, Greater STL Rentals, which is a residential property management company, Faster House, which flips over 250 houses per year, Midwest Property Group on the commercial side of property management, and his nonprofit, Greater Giving, uh, which is dedicated to the awareness, education, and advocacy of mental health in our community. Sam, I know you live out in Wentzville, so I appreciate you making the trek down to the city. No problem at all. I got a little bit scared coming in, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that, you never know that. It's a little shady on Gravoy, I'm not going to lie. So, uh, no, we appreciate you uh, uh, coming and being on. So, um, I want to kick things off, um, and this is probably a story you've told a million times, but all four of us that are on the podcast, two of us here, obviously, uh, are entrepreneurs. Um, so we love a good story about somebody who has broke away from the nine to five grind. One of the things that <clears throat> we typically see is that um, a lot of people want to do it because they're not making enough money or not making a lot of money in their corporate nine to five. Uh, you, on the other hand, you left a job where you were making $250,000, very established in your career, and decided to go at it on your own. Tell us that story. Well, it was, it's, yeah, it's, it's nothing too crazy, but it's kind of a different angle. Lots of people are like, I had nothing to lose, so might as well, might as well quit, right? I was doing well in my career and I enjoyed it, but I was doing real estate on the side with uh, my business partner, Lucas, and, and we were doing a few deals on the side. We were growing a decent rental portfolio. I always kind of like to do a few things on the side, not just work for somebody else. I like to be kind of more in control of what I'm doing and not have that glass ceiling. But Lucas was quitting his job and he was going to go full-time into real estate. And I was like, I don't want to be left behind. I don't want him to do all the work and him do real estate all day, every day. And I'm traveling and working and not being able to help out as much and have it be rather than a 50-50 split, be a 90-10 split. Mm -hmm. um, and then either do his own thing or just not have a fair split of everything. So that was one big reason of it. The other reason was I just kind of got sick of not being able to control of my life, you know, having to email if I want to be on vacation, having to always have my phone on, not being able to shut down and just not controlling mm -hmm. my financial future, my time, all those things, and, and just building something for somebody else. I was making good money, but I was making somebody else great money, whoever owned the company. So I would just kind of wanted to take control. Good time as any. If I screwed up, I was still young enough to probably get back in the corporate gig, but uh, that didn't happen. So it would just keep grinding. Yeah. yeah. To rewind that a little bit, Growing up, did you think, hey, I want to have my own business or do my own shit when I get old? You know what I mean? Like, yes and no. Because some people are, some people find it at an older age, you know, and some people. Yeah, yes and no. How's that for an answer? So, um, yes, I always was an entrepreneur. You know, Luke's and I had a painting business. His name will come up a lot. You know, my business partner and all this stuff. We had a painting business in college. We painted uh, exteriors of houses in the summers. You know, you can wake up pretty hungover and still go paint houses in the summer. Yeah. So that was fun. Especially so we, when nobody's watching. Yes, know. <laughs> yes. So we did that. Um, we also tried to uh, sell um, substances that weren't always illegal a little bit. Um, yeah. We opened up a book where we were taking like uh, bets from our friends. And so we were always kind of doing things and not yeah. all of them worked out very well. Um, I, I love the illegal side of things. Yeah, this I, is what this podcast needs. Yeah, yes. I actually tried selling weed like one time yeah. and I carried it in a violin case in case I got pulled over. They're like, no way this nerd sells weed. Yeah. So, so you were, you were set then. No, we, we just like kind of 
had a friend bring us, you know, a big batch of something that was like 50 bucks and tried. It wasn't really legitimate, but it was just kind of fun to say we yeah. tried it and failed. Not really even tried right. it, actually. We didn't really even actually try it. We just kicked around the idea, I guess. But we did have a book. We had like $10,000 worth of bets going through over the weekend, and we made nice. a little bit of money on that. Um, so I did always like to do that thing on the side. But to answer that question full circle, my dad, engineer, worked at Boeing for 38 years, retired at 58. My mom parents as teachers, but basically a school teacher. So mm -hmm. I, I saw the go to work until you're 60, 65, pay your 401k, IRA, you know, kind of live frugally. Like we did fine for ourselves, but it was a big deal. Once a month, we would like go to Taco Bell and all eat for under $5. So I grew up with that frugal, frugal, same job mindset. And I also had this other side of it. So I kind of blended both with doing pretty well in my career and then now making the leap to entrepreneurship. But it's the businesses that I run are not corporate by any means, but they're ran like businesses. It's not right. just a side thought. So I feel like I can kind of blend both of them, which looking back is kind of, I think, an advantage for me. Would you still consider yourself frugal? Um, No, not anymore, yeah. no. Do you think that came about like with the abundance mindset? I think that's a big part of it. And I was... I grew up living frugally because that's how my parents were. So I've always kind of been the opposite of that. But yeah, that, you know, making pretty good money at, at a young age. I mean... When I was 25, I was making a couple hundred grand. Um, yeah. So I was always did pretty well in my career and always seemed to get the next promotion that was coming up or mm -hmm. get the next whatever. Um, so I was making good money. So we weren't ever very frugal um, after I left the the nest. I was never right. super. Like, oh, I, I can never, buy shit. I, was, <laughs> I can have my own shit. Yeah, and, yeah. I can, and, and it's kind of something I really push. I can, I can enjoy life now and control my future and retire. I don't have to enjoy life now and work till I'm 80. I can enjoy the hell out of life now and do things I never thought I'd do and have more money than I ever thought I'd have and have more of wealth in the future than I ever thought I'd have. So that abundance thing is ginormous yeah, for me. Yeah, and I think that's cool because I'm fairly similar. My stepdad's an engineer, you know, same job forever. My mom's had the same job forever. And when I started my business, like, what are you doing? Like, that's not, you know, you're breaking away from the norm, but, you know... And and now they worry if I buy something, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, no, I can make more money. Like everything's going to be fine. But uh, thanks for caring, yeah. you know, so, um, but that's yeah. cool. That's awesome. And so kind of going back to the real estate, Sam, uh, whenever people think about real estate, I know there's just, a, there's a lot of different ways that you can get in it. And most people have this conception uh, that you have to, I mean, real estate's expensive. You have to have money in order to get into real estate. You, on the other hand, have actually been able to accumulate, I think it's twenty over $25 million worth of real estate in your portfolio with putting $0 of your actual money down. Can you talk to us about how you did that? Yeah, for sure. So real estate in general, you can do, you can have a 300 credit score and invest in real estate. You can invest in real estate from jail if you're able to sneak a phone in, however they sneak things in in, in prison. But you <laughs> can, knows. you don't even have to have a social security, you know where that's going. You don't have to have a social security number. Like you can uh, invest in real estate no matter what your situation is. Now, is it better to have money? Is it better to have a social security number? Is it better to not be in jail for many reasons? Yes, but you can do it. There's so many different options we don't need to go into, but wholesaling and fixing and flipping and and, um, you know, a lot of people think that you have to have money and you don't. But as far as buying rental properties, even when I bought my first rental property, I thought you had to put 20% down. I bought it with the idea to fix it up, flip it, sell it, and then use that profit to put 20% down. So I used a private lender to purchase it and fix it up. But through that process, I learned about cash out refinances. And I don't know how detailed we want to get. But basically, in real estate, you can leverage other people's money. And go down a little bit of a tangent here, I'm starting to discover that that's how the fucking world works. Guess what? Jeff Bezos, 
borrowed money to start Amazon. Yep. Mark Zuckerberg borrowed money to start Facebook. Everybody borrows money. That's how the world works. So if you borrow money to invest in something that produces cash and grows value, whether it's a business or real estate, as you're doing it right, you don't have to ever use your own money. Just, you know, nobody uses their own money to start any business unless your name Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is uh, clenching his fucking fist right now. I'm <laughs> like, you motherfucker. So I, I got this quick saying about Dave Ramsey. So Dave Ramsey teaches you how to not be poor. Mm -hmm. I'll teach you how to be wealthy. If you don't want, if you want to not be poor, follow Dave Ramsey. Love him. He's a great leader, great speaker, all yeah. that stuff. But if you want to be wealthy, the only way to create wealth, how are you going to create wealth if you have making 50 grand a year? You're not. Yeah, but you can use other people's money to do it. Yeah, and I actually probably in the last couple of years I've also noticed that same thing where you look at a Donald Trump or you look at anybody like you want to play you want to make big money, you got to play the big game, right? And that's big debt basically, but you're using it for cash flowing and building equity and things like that. And so that's why I think you see some of these billionaires have gone through so many bankruptcies because they've they've leveraged other people's money. They've started a business and it, that particular thing didn't work out, you know, so. And then uh, they can restart and do it again, right. even going through all that, because as long as you're going into debt to buy something that produces cash and grows in value and you manage that either asset or that business well, you can grow and the sky's the limit. Yeah. And by the way, like, I'll just dive in with random questions. So I see this guy it. on TikTok and he's like, hey, you know, you said there's so many different ways. One way that I've recently heard about that I hadn't heard, up, heard about before that I kind of want to ask you about is like just flipping contracts. So he'll get a contract on a property and then he'll turn around and he'll sell that. Before. He doesn't even do anything other than get the contract, sell the contract. That's just a wholesaler, right? Yeah, that's wholesaling. That so that's wholesale. what I mentioned earlier okay. where you can do from jail or no, you know, um, you know, no actual social security number, no credit score or a zero credit score because yeah, you you don't you need credit and money to close on it. So if you're getting it written on a paper, I will buy your house for $150,000 in 45 days. But, you know, in that first few days, you know, it's a discounted property that's distressed. You sell it to person B that has money for 175000 and you give them the contract. They're on the hook for the one fifty. When it closes, you get paid twenty five, and then they get paid that. that okay, that's what that's and, what Bryson does. Yeah, and so you have you typically have the buyers lined up before you start down that road, right? Usually, yeah. Usually, <laughs> I mean, like if I started tomorrow and I didn't have a buyer, I'd be sol. You, well, I'll buy it from you, but any but um, you <laughs> can first client. Yeah, but you uh, the what you do is um not to get too technical, you can have like a contingency in there, like a two-week contingency period. Just like when you buy your personal house, right. the bank has to look at it, financial contingency, you get an inspector in there. It's the same thing. So what we tell everybody that we teach and that, that you know, we work with is get a two-week contingency. Tell the seller, um, you know, the reason they're selling at a discount because it's distressed. It's not a perfect situation for them. So they'll be understanding. Give me two weeks to either get a bank in here, insurance, contractors, or try to sell it. And then if I can't, two weeks from now, you know, I won't be going forward with the contract, but you'll be no worse than you were two weeks ago. So yeah. you can do it with no so risk. No so earnest no money, risk, no anything. No, yeah, a lot of them don't want to earn money. If they do, it's, you know, 500 bucks, but you'll get it back if you don't close on it because, you know, you executed on the contract and right. you got in. That so it's just, um, you know, it takes a little bit of negotiating, a little bit of people skills, but it's, you can do it without, you know, any risk at all if you have those contingencies. I call them transparent. You don't want to yeah. hide them from the seller. Transparent contingencies and you're golden. You should never, you'll never get sued. You'll never lose money. If you can't sell it for more than you bought it for, you're good. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I have a lot of questions actually for you because Matt is like, he loves real estate. He wants to do it. I have just built my business, put my head down. There's so many ways to make money in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can do real estate. You can, you know, and obviously you definitely agree with that. But, um, and over the last couple of years, like, 
business is really taking off. Things are really good. And now I have all this cash and I'm like, well, what do I do with it? And so like one of the questions that I would want to ask, so I'm going to ask very entry level questions as an idiot and Matt probably has higher level stuff for you. But, you know, if I'm sitting on, and I'm just throwing out a random number, by the way, you know, if if I have $0 in cash, where to start? 200000 in cash, where to start? And a follow-up question that, because I'm looking at, hey, maybe I want to do some rentals. What should I expect? Like on a $200,000 property, what should I expect to make in profit a month on that cash flow? You know, like what are my goals there, I guess? Yeah, so are you wanting, so this, let's go with the 200000 I think we covered the zero in cash. Let's go with 200000 in cash you have. Are you wanting to use that on this rental property or are you just well, wanting to buy rentals? let's say I have rentals? a pool of 200000 I can do four properties with $50,000 down payments. Right. Yeah. Or you, what I would suggest doing is I wouldn't use a dime of that $200,000. I would still, because we, I do all right for myself and I still yeah. borrow money from people because I, you can grow so much faster. So unless you're making, you know, gobs of money, you can buy four houses with that 200000 putting 50 grand down, like you said, and then it's gone and that's fine. But you can utilize a method called the Burrs method to where you don't have to use that money. You can leverage it, what I would say. Um, you know, somebody is more likely to lend money to you, a private lender, a hard money lender, just somebody else with money in the real estate space if you got cash in the bank. So people say you got 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever it is, I would say leverage that as in have that as a reserves in case something goes wrong or use that as the rehab. Somebody that you don't know and you're buying that $200,000 house and you're wanting to buy it at a discount and fix it up, which is what the method I always teach, you know, rather than just put 20% down, you know, what happens if the rehab goes over budget or what happens if they want monthly payments while they're lending you the money? Use that 200 or 50, whatever it is, to A, have more leverage to borrow money from people and B, if something goes wrong. So that's what I would do. Um, if you're putting 20% down or utilizing the Burrs method, like I talked about, you're not going to get huge cash flow. You're going to get most likely two to 500 bucks a month. Positive. That's what, well, that's what I was looking at. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, if I deploy X amount of cash elsewhere, I can probably get better returns. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's kept me away from the real estate game. So don't use it, just leverage it. And then, the, well, the real estate thing's so powerful because if you leverage or even use a little bit of it, every rental property I buy with other people's money, I say I'm going to make $200,000 on in the next 10 years because that property is going to go up in value. Right. The mortgage is getting paid down, but not by me. And I'm collecting positive that two to 500 a month cash flow. So it's kind of the passive wealth trifecta as I've claimed it. But value goes up, mortgage is paid down by the rent, and you're collecting cash flow. And then the more you do that, you know, every property, like I said, 200. So by 15 rentals this year, that's going to be, you know, yeah. $3 million that I'm going to make over the next 10 years. Right. So just to clarify, process would be buying a shitty house in a decent area or mm -hmm. wherever. Perfect, right? yeah. And then go in, buy that with Somebody OPM. Else's money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, with hard money. So I'm paying a higher interest rate. Fix that, fix it up. Refi it through mm -hmm. a conventional or a traditional retail mortgage yeah. company, whatever. Yeah, it's it's you gotta mm -hmm. use small local banks, but in general, yeah, with it with a long-term financing partner, a bank. Yeah. yeah. So they're gonna say, okay, well, with the repairs, you have 20% equity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because you're gonna get dinged if you don't put 20% down, you get dinged with PMI. Right, so that's why I've you're just backing into that twenty percent down. So for simple right. for simple math for the listeners, so you buy a house for fifty thousand and it needs twenty thousand dollars worth of work. So you borrow seventy from a hard or private money lender, either one, and it appraises for a hundred grand because you fix it up. They'll give you a check for eighty percent of it. They literally will hand you a cashier's check for eighty percent of the value because they're getting their twenty percent equity. Banks don't care about that cash you give them; they just want to be secure. They don't want to take right. back the property. So then you got a check for eighty. So pay your private lender, hard money lender back. You know. 
10 grand or five grand, however much they want to make. And then now you own it, didn't use any of your own money. You have a mortgage, but you're collecting rent. So it, that's just repeating that over and over. And yeah, it's a lot of work, but like it really, really adds up as, you know, you accumulate properties and as they go up and the tenant gets paid, you know, it can really turn into a lot of money. Like within like three, four years, you can be a multimillionaire without using any of your own money. Yeah. So, so here was my question. Again, I've got my own business. My job is not to escape my nine to five, but I'm trying to create multiple streams of income and Love I'm it. trying to become financially free through multiple avenues, right? Um, real estate is one. I started with house hacking, bought a duplex, uh, and then rented out the upstairs, just bought a second single family home that I'm living in. Um, and now I'm Airbnb being like the other part of the duplex out. Anyway, uh, have been looking into kind of your courses and all this other stuff and using other people's money. So you already talked about this, so I won't make yourself repeat, but like for somebody that has a full-time thing, that loves his full-time thing, sees himself generating a lot of income from it, like what kind of goals, if if you were me, would you set for that? Like if I'm going to use other people's money and start to like, uh, yeah, basically buy property, fix it up, refi cash out, pay back the lender, do all that, and then obviously uh, collect the rent, would you set a specific amount of goals of like how many you would want to do per year or what would you what would you do if you were me? Yeah, if I were you, I would kind of, so you've kind of already done this, but I would evaluate my short-term cash position and kind of how much, how much, you know, how much cash I have now. So that tells me, should I wholesale or fix and flip or just go straight to buying rentals? Mm -hmm. And if you have a job that pays you well, then you don't need that. And the other part would be, you know, what are you looking to do? Are you wanting to get out of your job. If not, then I don't think you have to set crazy goals. I think you can, you know, make a make a goal to buy, you know, 10 in the next five years and nothing crazy. You can, you'll probably do more because you'll love it. Yep. But just 10 rental properties and in, in, in 20 years is going to be, you know, probably I would say three or $4 million of, you know, equity that you'll have because you won't owe anything. They'll be paid off and they'll be worth more than what you got them for. So it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy what you can do uh, with just, you know, 10 properties. But I would kind of look at it as, as what you want. Do you want it to be your biggest source of income or do you just want to kind of supplement what you're doing and be able to retire with, you know, a handful of properties? Are you looking to become like, you know, a, a a 50, 100 property and, person. And I, yeah, and I want to parlay on this because this is one of the questions I wrote down. Like, do you think like you can do this and be, you know, as successful as you've been as a part-time gig? Like, is this is this a good side hustle or is it good full-time? Like, or both, right? Like, can it be a, a part-time thing? It, it can 100% be both. And that's, so that's what I, I always tell everybody to start with a full-time job. Someone's going to lend you money. You're more bankable. You're more likely um, to be able to refinance out at these at these banks. So, And you'll have, you have a fallback plan with your active income. So I tell everybody start it as a side hustle. And that's why you got to educate yourself by listening to this, looking online, taking a course, getting a mentor so that you can be efficient with your time. Because if you guys have your business and business and full-time jobs, you don't have 40 hours a week to spend. You got, you're going to work your ass off for the next five years and, or maybe even the next two years, and you have an extra 10 hours a week. So you got to be efficient with that time. So you got to educate yourself with all the free resources out there or, or find a mentor. But I would suggest starting part-time as a side hustle. That, that's what it was for me. When, when I quit, I uh, had a full-time job. And I quit. When I did that, I probably had maybe 25 or 30 rentals at the time and probably had done 10 flips and maybe five wholesales. So I had already had some kind of backing for that. Yep. So then uh, if you were looking at that, yeah, I think it's a good call, just like anything, right? First off, you got to figure out what your goal is, mm -hmm. right? How much income you want to generate off it in the short term, in the long term. Um, and then the the second piece, like let's say somebody does have that 
the goal is 10 over the next five years. How much time do you think you would, uh, a typical person would have to allocate if they have their full nine to five job or if they're working, uh, you know, got a full plate? How much time do they need to allocate in order to do those 10 over five years, would you say? 10 over five years, I would say if you're like you're efficient and you're willing to listen to other people and you're willing to watch uh, you know, YouTube videos and you're willing to connect with your local network and go at about it a somewhat smart way. And I buy would, your program, right? And no, we don't need to do that. Just just <laughs> all the shits on YouTube, just watch it. I just put it in order in the program. But anyways, um, yeah, th there's that too. But just being smart with the free resources that are out there. I mean, I would say 10, 15 hours a month, maybe. 10, 15 hours a month. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he? Because, you know, you get those two, you get that first one and it'll probably be 25 hours that month and then maybe 20 and then you get that thing and three months later you'll be done with it and you'll be looking for another one and while you're doing that, it'll be, you know, five hours a month just going, looking at, um, you know, properties or maybe going to the meetups and spending some time in the community. You got to get involved in local community no matter where you're at. So I think the biggest thing is getting involved and doing things efficiently. So some months will be more, but I would say average of 10 to 15, it's not like you got to spend a ton of time doing it. It's not a lot of time mm -hmm. at all. Do you say you got to be active in the local community yeah. because you get referrals like referrals and if you know <laughs> you if you don't know anything about real estate you're going to need to find uh, a closing uh, you know a title company you're going to need to find contractors you're going to need to find insurance agents that deal with real estate investors you're going to need to find hard money you're going to need to find deals real estate agents they all meet in one spot real estate agents or real estate is that a b and i meeting smart. yeah it's kind of like a, it's, it's called a meetup it's not really it's not really the b and i route where you kind of go around and you know i'll, I'll promote yours and make other people yeah, promote i yours. was half joking yeah okay <laughs> you've I'll been like, to oh. one you've been to one They're yeah brutal. that's not that it's, yeah. we, we have ours we have like 250 people come every single month and literally we pay for dinner uh, where we pay for like a buffet style dinner. There's a cash oh, bar. Okay. There's a cash bar. Um, there's networking before. We have a guest speaker there. Um, Lucas and I spoke last month. We had over 300 people. We talked for an hour and then we all hung out after. There's no pressure. You're just going to get to know all the people you need to know. Yeah. And they're active because they're willing to drive and meet as opposed to just join a Facebook group, which is good to do too. But anybody can do that. If they're getting in their car and they're driving and they're willing to be out and about, they're more likely to be active. So it's the everybody you need to meet is goes to those. So. For sure. And so I I can actually vouch for it because like I just went to kind of check it out to see how it was and it's literally people at every level in every you know you've got the the buyers the sellers you've got the uh the people that just want to invest money right you got the people that are starting out and you got the people that are super tenured and it's just creating relationships and you know uh, other people trying to connect people to each other not everybody just trying to sell what it is that they do yeah, it's not like that at it's all, pretty yeah. cool mm -hmm. yeah uh what is your uh, favorite landlord story, so or worst landlord story when you started out, <clears throat> because I told you that I uh, I started Airbnb in my place. Mm -hmm. This is month one, and three weeks in, they had a party, uh, and they broke my bathroom sink by fucking on it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I I wonder what position would that be? Yeah, well, but you just okay. got to go missionary. You can't really go doggy, right? No. <laughs> I mean, if you're, well, <laughs> yeah. if it's doggy and, I can and check you're for, on the sink that rips off the wall. You got a camera in there, right? I'm kidding. There's yeah, a right. reason why it happened in the bathroom. Yeah, but you, you got any good stories? You got any funny stories? Yeah, I mean, you run into everything. I mean, we've had um, we've had the the crazy bad stories, the crazy funny stories. Are we actually have an apartment complex here in um, in the Grove that not too long ago. 
in the main alley, somebody had left a box of uh, dildos, just like in the, <laughs> like probably like eight to ten dildos and sex toys just in the hallway. Community. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so you know they're done with them. Yeah, yeah. go ahead, guys. Have yeah, at them. Yeah, lost and found at our office. No, so there, there's <laughs> there's stuff like that, and then there's you know people you know completely just ruining the property and and doing crazy stuff. I'm trying to think of what else. That's the first thing that popped into my head. But we've had, I mean, we've had, um, you know, people pass away in apartments, yeah. and we and we've we've had all that kind of stuff. <sighs> you deal because life happens. We're providing shelter for people to live their lives and you know good things happen bad things happen um so that was that was probably the most recent memorable one is the the dildo box but we've had i mean we had we had one of our acquisitions guys go to a house the uh the lady uh called our office and said hey you know my dad passed away i'm looking to sell the house you know would you be come give me an offer it needs some work and he's like sure i'll be there this afternoon he went Dad's laying in the bed, still wrapped in a blues blanket. He literally just passed away that morning. That morning, that hadn't. Taken, she's like, oh ready my to God. sell the house. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. So yeah, they, you get it all. Trying to life. get in the will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, it's made him sign the will with his dad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Holy shit! That's Damn. Insane. Yeah. And so, uh, man, the box of dildos is pretty hilarious. Though. That is a good so, one. Is it, so is uh, they were average size. Comes average, yeah. large average, small. average yeah. size. Molds of depending mat. on your. Your, your uh, definition of average, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, that's hilarious. So uh, you have a couple of hot takes that I wanted you to touch on. Um, oh, first off, we're going to talk about TikTok. You've got an insane following on TikTok. Let's start with that first. You've got 1.5 million followers on TikTok. How the fuck did that? Yeah, come what's about? the secret? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. No. Um, so I, so I'm growing this faster freedom brand. So that's what I'm trying to make faster freedom like bigger pockets, like just a ginormous top education brand in the country. And we got a great start at that. Um, the best way to build a brand and build people's trust so they hit that follow button, that like button, whatever it is, is just to give away. All I do is give away really, really good quality information for free. I try to be catchy with it. I try to you know sometimes do different things. I it's like. Not just for fun. It's fun and frustrating, but it's a business. So if I have a string of five bad videos in a row, it's not just for fun. I'm going to keep making the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. I'm not going to stop. So just not quitting. And I think I posted a TikTok every single day for the past 18 months besides maybe five. So just continually putting stuff out there and just giving away a shit ton of free information and hoping that people follow you has kind of been my thing. I don't have like a coach. It's all done on my phone. Yeah, I, yep. I edit them all. I'm hiring somebody to do that soon, but I still edit them all. Um, so it's a lot of work, but building that brand is uh, kind of starting to finally pay dividends after probably 15 months of not paying dividends. Last few months has been awesome. Wait, so uh, 1.5 million followers. Mm -hmm. You say one, at least one TikTok a day. Mm -hmm. um, maybe five days you might have missed one. When did you start your TikTok? I uh, started the TikTok in like summer, late summer of 2020. Okay. Late summer of 2020. So it's like so you're a year and a half mm -hmm. and you've got 1.5 mm -hmm. 1. million. That was a good time to start TikTok yeah, too because COVID mm -hmm. everybody's like sitting there. What do I do? I don't, and, I don't dance though. I don't got boobies to show off. Yeah. And I, don't, but it's just, <laughs> I was going to say. So I have a disadvantage. The, the Being just a normal looking way. white dude is honestly a disadvantage. Hard, yeah, but right. I'll take it. <laughs> so I have a couple quick questions and this is just me being curious as like, you know, quote unquote, I'm an influencer on TikTok. Like, mm -hmm. 
Do you delete the, the videos that don't perform well? I used right? to. I don't anymore. Yeah. Now it's just more I want to be raw. I want to be me. Like a video sucks. Like it's part of the journey. Yeah, um, we all do shit. Yeah, sucks. and I don't really think it affects the algorithm. I'm a psychopath about algorithms for TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. I analyze every video. Why did it do bad? Why didn't it do bad? Um, I actually just got off of an actual, I had a, a, a flag on my account on Instagram, but we can get to that later if you want. But no, I, I used to delete them because it's like a vanity thing. Like I've all my videos are home runs, but the more I've just been me and said, Fuck it, I tried. It yeah. didn't work. This one's got, you know, this one now. With the, unfortunately, even a shitty video now gets ten to 15,000 views. But, you know, that yeah. I got several with, you know, I, I have like 15 or 20 with over a million. So there's the big ones. And then people just can see that you're real, that, you know, you're putting stuff yeah. out there. And, oh, that one sucked. Why did that suck? So. Well, that's, uh, I guess I asked that because, the you know, you hear different things about the algorithm or whatever bullshit, right? And I, I don't know if, oh, if I put out three poor f performing videos, does that mean I don't get you know, as much exposure. I don't know if that's true or not, but that, yeah, I think that's where I asked. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I love it. I could nerd out on that all day. It's one of those things where a good video is going to perform well. They're going to look at the metrics of watch time, of likes, of interaction, of, of user user enjoyment. It's not just user engagement. If right. a user enjoys the video, they're watching it, they're commenting. So even if you had shitty ones, if one really good comes out, they want people on the platform, so they're not going to suppress that. But it does help if you got banger, 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 you are going to start to see more people. It's a cumulative effect for sure. Right. And then I always wonder this. So you put out a video, it gets a million views. Mm -hmm. How many messages and like inquiries do you get from that and do you get to all of them i get to most of them i stopped on tiktok tiktok's my biggest platform because if somebody doesn't turn on their most people uh if you download tiktok and you don't post anything you just watch videos you're you need to change your setting to um my friend is like right now most people everybody on tiktok if they'll look the only person that can message them is their friend like, so I'm not friends. I only have like 13 friends on TikTok or something. So if you're not my friend and you don't have that setting turned off, I used to like try to message people back and it says you're not friends with them. They won't get it. So oh, it just was yeah. a waste of my time. Yep. Yeah. So I do try to get to all of those. Um, I, I usually push everybody to Instagram because it doesn't have that. And Instagram is much easier, better messenger. I have yeah. kind of saved replies that I can give people if there's the same common question over and over. And probably more serious people too. Yeah, like, way if you're more gonna serious go, people. If you're going to actually take the time to go to Instagram, find you and message you as opposed to just seeing and messaging. A hundred percent. And the whole reason I started TikTok was to grow Instagram and, and YouTube. But it's a great way that the, I think the, phrase was, you know, it all starts here on TikTok. And that's so true. It's just so easy. Like we were talking earlier, in five minutes on TikTok, you're going to see 50 different people. So that's good and bad. You can right. be one of those 50, but they're not super committed and hitting that like button or follow buttons, nothing on TikTok. On Instagram, they think about it for a minute. They got to see a video or two. And in five minutes, they're going to see 10 people. And on YouTube, in five minutes, you're the one when they're watching and they're super stingy with that fucking subscribe button. Yeah. It drives me crazy. It's like, how do you, how do you, what's the difference here? You can just hit that subscribe if you're watching it. But. Yeah, we've actually seen more growth on YouTube, but maybe because we record we them. We just started. Yeah, well, yeah, we did, but we already have like over one third of what we have on Instagram. You okay. Know? And we just started. So it were, you know, that's why I ask you. So, how many messages? Like hundreds? Um, yeah, I mean, so um, on on TikTok, it's uh, and TikTok people just share other people's videos nonstop. Okay. I mean, on TikTok, I probably I would say a couple hundred a day. On Instagram, Instagram, I got over that little little bait, little flag on my account. So Instagram, I probably get a hundred to one hundred fifty a yeah. day. So but I, that's I a good platform a for you to start that funnel into oh, it's, your yeah, other huge. stuff. So that's where I send them the free training on. Yep. Um, yeah. You can do stories. Like if you want to like really promote something, which I rarely do, I can do it on a story and it's not going to like, people are going to be like, oh, 
you know, you're just pushing your product. If you make an entire YouTube pushing a product or an entire uh, TikTok or an entire Instagram post pushing a product, it's going to get stopped because yep. it's not good. You know, it's really hard to push a product and be creative. People are going to stop watching and go away. So Instagram's great. I love it. The messenger, you can do stories, you can do long videos, you can do short videos. It kind of is the little blend of everything. So yeah. it's pretty important too. That's awesome. Yep. I think people have mixed feelings about the, the coaching, mm -hmm. like taking courses, because I mean, obviously there's all these, uh, they're called like $30,000 millionaires, right? Mm -hmm. Buy my, buy my online program. One of the things I like about you, and I'm not even in your program, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the things that what you're saying is true. And I believe why your Instagram following is huge is you give away all of your secrets, all like everything, like you can literally search YouTube, like Sam Prim, how to do the Burr method, Sam Prim, how to find a private money lender, like all these things. Uh, I think where the coaching aspect comes in personally, if they're a good one is like, like you said, putting it all together for you, putting it in order or helping you like articulate what it is that you want to do. And then just being there to kind of bounce thoughts off and stuff like that. And so um, I guess I wanted to kind of segue into like what kind of success and what, how do you attribute the success to your coaching program or what do you attribute it to? And, and I want to add like you as a coach is totally different than some random dude with the rented Lambo in the background mm -hmm. because you've actually fucking done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you've learned, you've gone through, you've paid your dues basically, mm -hmm. right? You've seen all the sh shitty parts of the job and you've seen all the cool parts. And so I think that's what makes a good coach first is like, tell me what you've done. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I, so I definitely don't want to make this like about the mentorship, but it's an interesting topic about mentorships in general, coaches in general. I call it like a mentorship because it's not like a course, here's 20 videos, good right. luck. So I think it's a good topic. We can use mine as an example and case study, but there's ones out there that'll just give you some videos and that's it. And there's, there's $50,000 for six month, hey, meet with me once a week programs. And I don't want to sell that $50,000 program and I want to provide more value. So we kind of um, we'll talk about the mentorship and then how the social media has helped it. So we kind of blended it all together. I took eight months and recorded 250 five to 10 minute videos, not trying to grab people's attention like you have to on social media and on, on YouTube, but literally exactly what to do. So you don't have to watch an hour long video like most programs. You can literally anything you want to know about growing your rental portfolio with other people's money. If you want to know how to approve tenants, you don't have to watch a 45 minute video. All right. I'll go as categorized. I'm watching Sam's four-minute video on how to do that. And I want to know how to talk to my tenant about the lease. All right, let me watch Sam's three-minute video. So I created 250, you know, bite-sized videos. And then there's a weekly mentorship call. It's group setting. I used to, we used to do one-on-one. -on -one. It's not efficient and it's not effective. We've had so many times in the group setting where it's 25 people. Somebody asks a question that's four steps ahead of you. And you didn't even know to ask that question. So you learn from other people's experiences. And if you don't always have a deal to analyze, you can watch us analyze other people's deals. And then a Facebook group, a community, we have, I think, like 400 members now. And the other day in the mentorship, someone's like, I'm in Nashville. I'm looking for a lender. Do you know anybody here? And then somebody said, yeah, I'm in Nashville too. I just use this hard money lender. Here's their number. So it's starting to see it as it grows because we're only been offering it for like six months. Yep. To see it as it grows, it's crazy to see the, the power of it. And if somebody spends seven grand on my mentorship and I show them how to build a $5 million rental portfolio that sets their great grandkids up for college. Fuck it. Do it's a hell of a return right. on investment for sure. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and so I, like I said, I like that, like the community aspect, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're in these coaching programs, it's like, and you've done coaches before, uh, and you're surrounded by people that are like-minded and trying to do the same thing. It's like, here's the how to, and then it's like, here's, you're developing a mastermind mm -hmm. of those folks. And that's the huge thing. Seeing people go through it, understanding that you're not alone in the problems that you're going through 
help push you past the points where most people get stuck, I feel like. Yeah, every single, and I'm, I don't say this lightly, every single successful real estate investor I know, and I'm in some masterminds around the country, I know a ton of them, every single one has two things in common. One, they wish they started earlier, every single one. And two, they all pay for some type of mastermind, some type of coach, some type of subscription service. Every single one, there's not one that doesn't. I spend $100,000 a year on furthering myself, you know, professionally, personally, everything. And it's, I get way more than that in return. The people that are trying to do it on their own, you're going to be inefficient. You're going to stub your toe way more than you need to. You're going to go to the gutter. Just having the right mentorship or program, just keep you out of the gutters. Man, that's going to save you a shit ton of time and money and headache. And it's going to make sure you do it and not be like, oh, I hit a fucking speed bump. I'm just going to wholesale this one and I'm done with real estate. So, yeah. And that's yeah. with that's with any area, right? Like I we mean, talk, we Tiger about, Woods has a coach. More Michael Jordan, Tim Grover. We, yeah. So real. So I, that's the analogy I've been using. Tom Brady, everybody's like best quarterback ever, right? No, no go. He has like eight. He has a, a strength and conditioning coach. He has like a flexibility coach. He has a head coach. He has yep. a some of his shit's crazy. Offensive <laughs> coordinator. He has like a nutritionist. He has like eight coaches. He's the best to ever do it. I'm not the best to ever do real estate. And anybody that joins a mentorship, sure the fuck isn't. So, like, why do you think you're better than the best? Like, just do what they do, or just don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. And well, like you said, is that any level, any time mm -hmm. you're joining a group like that, that the collective goal is to get better. You're going to get better. We started this podcast as kind of our own little mastermind. We will tell you firsthand, we don't know what the fuck we're doing on a lot of things in life, but we can all attest to the fact that we've all leveled up significantly in the year and a half that we've been doing it. So whether it's real estate, general personal professional development, fitness, finances, business in general, like joining a mastermind and getting coaching is something that's going to pay dividends. But I mean, 100%. like how many, how many top tier athletes in high school who weren't coachable, they just didn't make it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because they weren't coachable. And then you have the best in the world that have multiple coaches and are listening and just executing on that information. And, and so that's the way I see coaching. You're, I think that you'll be successful if you look mm -hmm. at it that way. Yeah. Uh, a couple more questions just to be cognizant of your time. One I wanted to talk about were obviously professional or personal development podcasts. Besides stuff in real estate, are there any books, podcasts, or um, anything that you took on or maybe a course that you took on in your personal development world uh, that you feel like had a, a really significant impact on your life? Yeah, I'm, I'm always reading and trying to get better and doing um you know, listen to podcasts or listen to books and trying to get better. You know, there's a, there's a, most of them are real estate related. A lot of them are more business related. Like um, Dave Rams, we talked about him earlier. I don't agree with his investing strategies and what he does, but he has a, he's a great leader and he has a great company and it's entree leadership. We spend $50,000 a year sending 10 employees to his leadership summit. And I've read his book, Entree Leadership and reading just books and uh, like Good to Great by Jim Collins, just growing good businesses. So I, I, I'm always reading books. I always get better. I've been involved in your, the, the um, one you're involved with, with a mic. Mike I've been in that for a little while too. Yeah. That, I, was, I enjoyed that while I was doing that. It's not the right time for me, but I enjoyed it. So I'm always looking to get better no matter what, whether it's being a better dad, a better husband, a better business owner, a better real estate investor. So, um, and I lean on other people's knowledge. I'm in, um, you know, a mastermind that costs like $40,000 a year with travel expenses. And every time I leave, I go quarterly. I leave motivated. I leave wanting to be a better dad. I leave wanting to spend more time with my family. I don't leave with like 20 tactical things to do in my business, even though I have those, but it's, it's just more about, you know, being around the right group of people. Yep. That's awesome. So, uh, Brad, who's <laughs> Brad, who's not here. He really wanted to be on this. Um, fuck you, Brad. Yeah. Sorry. Fuck off, Brad. Uh, <laughs> and he's, he's also our camera guy. So that's why this all is fucked up. Brad. 
Uh, he is uh, super interested in the self-storage game. I know you're not just residential properties mm -hmm. and you're in that self-storage game as well. Um, doesn't really have any in real estate investment experience. His question was, what should his first step be to get into self-storage? Yeah, so your first step to get into self-storage, it's a pretty simple asset to manage and to own. It's just finding the right property or finding the right, you know, wherever you find that. We found our three just through our network of, of residential, just people bringing us stuff that they come across because, you again, get involved in your network. But the first thing to be to do would be to reach out to people that are in that space a little bit and get to know them and then start to work on funding. A bank will gladly do a self-storage facility that's performing because it's not recession proof, but kind of it's, you know, it'll do, you know, your people are paying 70 bucks, 80 bucks a month to rent the space. You know, it's not like they're going to stop paying that and lose all their stuff, even if they're not making as much money. So just like anything else, get involved with people in the industry that are in that space, you know, talk to some banks and then just go out there and look at deals and analyze deals. It's a, it's an interesting asset class to own. Uh, we've only been doing it for about a year, but we enjoy the three that we have. Have you built one or we did? Yeah. Is that do you know the story behind that? Is no, that no, I was just curious. Okay. So um so we uh so I but we bought one up in Troy that had sixty-six units on it and it came with two acres next to it. So we're like, let's build um, a couple of these buildings. They're metal, they're pretty easy to put together. You know, we have contractors. So um we never done that before, but I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go get some insurance, some builder's risk insurance, and let's start hiring this out and getting the plans approved by the city of Troy, which isn't a big city, and they were fine with it. So we threw two buildings up. It went smooth. So I was like, let's throw a third one up. You know, we do covered boat and RV storage. Um, it goes for way more. The return on investment's better. We can probably throw a building up for 150 grand. So we built this, is 255 feet long by 20 feet high, this ginormous building. Um, it was like halfway up, and then a, a strong winds apparently or whatever they blew it down they blew the building <laughs> over the shit. back wall off um Holy and shit. then we put it back up and kind of and then it blew over again and then it blew over for the third time so obviously we we're doing something wrong here so we just tore it down um and you know called insurance be like act of god we can't you know we can't make this work and they're like uh you didn't put that third one on the policy you put the first two and you decided to do oh, the third one shit. so that was hundred fifty thousand dollar mistake on on my part oh, sorry fuck. lucas um <laughs> so yeah so that just um so yes we built a couple good buildings and one not good building so now there's just gravel and boats and rvs are going to park outside on top of the, the building pad. yeah that's crazy so i was at a uh I play competitive golf and I was at a tournament out in Palm Springs and I was with a guy who he started as like he was an employee for a self-storage company mm -hmm. and then he's just starting in his own and he's like and I asked him well how do you determine like is that storage facility going to perform or not perform there's got to be storage facilities in bumfuck Iowa that aren't all rented out or nobody's, or are they all rented? Like, you know what I mean? And he said, hey, like, look at the population, draw a circle, mm -hmm. and how many storage facilities are in that circle. So he already knew the formula to look for. Do you have a formula? Not really, no. We just, um, I know people that are in the space now, and we kind of have one now, but at first we didn't. We just knew that looking around, there's not as much self-storage here. We called all the self-storage facilities within like a, you know, two mile radius and how full were they? What were their, you know, so we kind of did a little bit of market research, but not like a whole formula. And they've been, they've been pretty full. Uh, we've, we've actually been really full. They've been really good. What's your handicap, by the way? Uh, plus two and a half. Plus two and a half. Not too bad. I, I suck, but I, I like to golf. I got a, I got a, a buddy that's on the PGA tour. So. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. um, he's probably better than me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> might, might be. Yeah. Dan's still got to ask. We'll have to play. Yeah, yeah you're going to beat my ass and give me 15 no, it's strokes. Fine. 
Well, yeah. I'll go out. Okay. Yeah. I just joined Sunset. I suck. I'm, I'm terrible, but I like drinking beers and playing. So. He'll be on my team, and then um, <laughs> we'll give us give us strokes. Though. There you yeah, go. for sure. Yeah, but um, uh, no, yeah. So I guess he was just talking like he had big data or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Where like he knew this is the formula, mm-hmm. and based on thousands and thousands of yeah, data, there's a so. big formula to use for sure. I know people that have um, hundreds of thousands of <laughs> millions of square feet of self storage, and yeah, there's exactly right that you know you pick a data you pick a data point you the population how many are there because there's like a break even point to where you have too much self storage or too little right. supply and demand, so yeah. you find a place that has limited supply. But I think it's going to keep growing because like especially what are you 33, 34, yeah. 34, I'm 34, 34, 34, and I don't want to deal with any of my parents' shit. I'm, I love my parents, but when they pass, like, I'll probably throw that shit in storage and deal when I'm 80. You know what yeah, I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll look through it at mm-hmm. some point. And so I think that, you know, you have a lot of, you have an older generation that are starting to move out of their homes, and but they're not yet deceased. And, you know, you... That I, baby I, generation, man, they are hoarders. I know. Like, not like extreme, they got, but they, have, they don't throw anything away. They got their mm-hmm. aunt's dressers and shit. They got so much stuff, and it's... Self-storage is, you know, when times are good, people buy extra shit, so they need to store it. When times are bad, they honestly downsize, but they don't want to sell all their stuff, so they need somewhere to store it. So it, it's, nothing's like bulletproof, but it's pretty damn recession-proof, that yeah. self-storage. That's nice. awesome. Do you do any uh, public speaking? Like, do you have any, a keynote, anything like that? Um, no, not really. No, just at our, our local meetup speaking there, um, but nothing as far as any, any keynote. I've had a few people reach out recently kind of with the growing social media things, and um, I actually had someone reach out to to go to something in Dallas at the end of uh, March, but I got a, a kiddo on the way then, so that hey, won't fly. Guys, so, first? Yeah. Uh, second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dan's got a whole basketball team now. I just had my fifth two weeks spot. ago. There you go. Congrats. Yeah. 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 Congrats on the sex, Dan. <laughs> way to go. You had sex five times. Good yeah, job. I know. Yeah. Uh, well, I was asking, um, so for our stuff, we actually have, um, we've been doing a meetup uh, pretty regularly. And I know a lot of guys are interested in real estate, um, whether they're already kind of in it and they're all entrepreneurs for the most part anyway, or they're they're trying to get into real estate at some point. Would love to have you there at some point. We do it once a month, maybe some point down the road, come talk about like how you built your generational wealth or how you're building your generational wealth. And obviously, um, I think there would be a lot of people that would be interested in your program too. Yeah, I feel like you're like proposing me on the Jumbotron. I can't say no. Right? Yeah, no, no this, is, this is but 100%. I almost stopped is, him. So the other day he hits me with, hey, Dan, would you be completely opposed to paying for lunch today? So he read some shit in a book that was like, if you ask, can you, you ask be, it this way? Would you be completely opposed to coming to our networking event <laughs> yeah, and talking and so for, for no money? Yeah, and so I almost stopped him right there and be like, is this your completely opposed <laughs> yeah. ask here? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, obviously for no money. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Actually, Mike's talking in this next one. Is he nice? What is it monthly? Yeah, okay. so it's monthly. We'll keep you. We'll keep you in the loop. Obviously, like I said, we'd love to have you. But I, <clears throat> I am, I am going to be joining like your program, mm-hmm. uh, and I think just based off everything like I've looked at. Again, I, I, I can't really like, talk to the ROI right now, but it's just like it's something that I think a lot of people could get value of, especially for those people that are right there and just haven't pulled the trigger. Again, W two employee uh, trying to get out of their nine to five. W-2 employee that wants to keep their 9-to-5 or somebody like me that has a business but just wants to create multiple streams of income. So Yeah, um, if you're willing to take action, it works. For everybody, honestly, that everybody that takes action does really well, but there's a high percentage of people that just feel good about buying a mentorship or a course and then they're, they're gone. So I hate to see that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're willing to take action, we got people We got people absolutely crushing it that are taking action. I love that because there are so many success zombies out there. Mm-hmm, yeah, it feels cool it's to like... say you bought it. I, I mean, I'm not going to say no, but okay. <laughs> But yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, that's whenever I read a book, 
you know, I don't always finish the book. I'll get a nugget. I'm just like, this is it. I'm going to go execute on this. And then mm-hmm. I'll pick the book up again whenever, you know, I've made that a habit, basically. So, so it's just a way to say he's he doesn't like to finish things, but right. <laughs> hey, I mean, I sold it a little bit, right? Like, there you go. There you go. <laughs> the authors were better. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, well, while we're here, Sal. Uh, Hi, Sal. You, you obviously came in thirty <laughs> yeah, minutes late. Way to how, show up late. How prepared are you? What what questions? At least do you he's have here. To, fuck you, Brad. <laughs> also, Sal, do you even know what sure. Sam does? Real estate. Yeah, that's a good fucking guess. He dabbles. He's, Got he's not. He's, he's pretty sharp. Sal's our intern. Okay, you guys. You guys have said a few bad things about him. But he's smarter than you guys. Said. <laughs> that is true, actually. Sal, you got any questions before we close this out, man? I know you're. You're obviously, you know, super zealous about this one. Um. Well, I guess for me is just like, at one point, do you like put money aside to like buy your first home? Because mm-hmm. I'm still like at the parents' house you, saving money and stuff. Do you mean non-rental? No, no, not rental. So you mean like living? Yeah. Probably today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Whenever you... Uh, you gotta have a house to grow. Whenever you... Whenever, as soon as you can. <laughs> you can get an FHA at three and a half percent down, right? That's a, that's I mean, a, there's even forgiveness programs. You get it back. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so not even, like most people think 20%. You actually don't need 20%. I did the FHA, but there's forgiveness programs or AIDS, all this other stuff. Anyway... Uh, that's a great question. There's to AIDS. Close. You just said there's AIDS. There's AIDS to help you, okay. to help you pay for that. I'm getting obnoxious. We should probably end this. No, <laughs> no, 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 you're good. No, you're we good. don't. We want to be cognizant of your time. But um, follow Sam on TikTok. Sam, what's your handle on TikTok and Instagram? Uh, at Sam Faster Freedom. The same handle across you know TikTok, YouTube, Instagram are my three platforms. So at Sam Faster Freedom. I don't want to make it like the Sam Prim brand. I want it to be something bigger. So. Okay, and then anywhere else in terms of like website or anywhere else people can go or just follow you on TikTok I just check and Instagram? It. I just follow me TikTok, Instagram. You can um, message me on Instagram. I'll get back to it. I still respond to every message. I need to hire that out soon, but I still haven't. So yeah, message me on Instagram and we fastfreedom.com to his website. Check out if you want to see what we got. Yep, guys, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, I've been, I was checking it out all day and I've been checking it out for a while. If you're interested in real estate whatsoever, go check him out. Uh, and then we'll obviously put a link up to all this stuff in our show notes and then uh, in our Instagram page. But otherwise, Sam, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, right, appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks for having me.